0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Unlocked, the podcast that is designed to help inspire others to be the best version of themselves. And it's hosted by me, Ricky Locke, speaker, trainer and professional magician. This week, Jeff Way joins me for a conversation about his book, Stuck Now What? If you are in a career and you're feeling a little bit stuck and would love to reignite your passion, then this is the conversation and podcast for you. Not only is it a great episode, but also Jeff has kindly offered two signed copies of his book to two lucky winners of this podcast. And alongside that, I'm also going to be giving away two of my unlocked podcast notebooks as well. So if you would like to win a signed copy of Jeff Way's book, Stuck Now What, and one of my unlocked podcast notebooks, all you have to do is three things. The first thing is take a picture or screenshot your device listening to this episode and share on your favorite social media platform. It could be Instagram or LinkedIn. Secondly, all you need to do is tag Jeff Way and me, Ricky Lock, on the social media post. And thirdly, put the hashtag unstuck, U-N-S-T-U-C-K. It is a combination of unlocked and stuck. It's a conversation that me and Jeff had yesterday that we love that hashtag. And that is all you have to do. Two lucky winners will both win the signed copy of Jeff Way's book and my Unlock Podcast notebook. We will announce the winner next Wednesday, the 30th of June, 2021. And all you have to do is those three things. Good luck to all of the entrants. And without further ado, enjoy this episode with Jeff Way. Hello everybody and welcome to the Unlocked Podcast. Joining me this week is a man of many talents. My guest is a leadership coach, podcaster, speaker and author of Stuck, Now What? and he's on a mission to help as many people as possible get unstuck and create fulfilling careers. Welcome to the show, Jeff Way. How are you doing, buddy?
1: I'm I'm super well, Ricky, and thank you for your really warm and kind introduction there. It's uh, it's great to (laughs) be able to spend some time with you today. Thank
0: you very much. I was going to put Keen Runner as well, because I'm amazed by your marathons as well that you've done. Um, but I thought we'll, we'll probably get onto that into the uh, the conversation. But it's a pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for coming on. And as I always do, a big credit to everyone, how I meet people. As we know, we both share some uh, mutual friends of uh, Scott Leeper, Rory Kelly, and obviously uh, who we both love, Kirsty Mack. So thank you to those guys for obviously introducing me to you. I think it was in a clubhouse room. We knew of each other. We met at some events last year. And then I thought, right, well, let's, let's just actually take this and uh, have a conversation. And it was a really great conversation that's led us to this point today. So, Jeff, I think for the followers uh, and all of the listeners today, although we've done a little bit of a brief intro, tell us who you are and what is it that you do? Oh,
1: it's it, it's the $64,000 question, isn't it, when, when we're posed. Uh, by somebody else to to articulate what it is we do and straight away what runs through my mind is a whole host of labels that I perhaps fall into the trap of attaching to myself in terms of who I am and what I do. Um, I'm going to keep it really simple and say uh, I'm a husband, um, I'm a dad, I'm a son, um, I'm curious about people, and my curiosity really is around understanding what they do and how they do it and then seeing if I can help them. And I suppose I've fallen into the learning and development, leadership, coaching space uh, for many years now, which has become a passion for me and energises me beyond belief. Um, and more recently, as you've kindly pointed out I am a published author which it was on the bucket list and it has got a big tick next to it
0: (laughs) and it'd be a blue tick in my eyes because the 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 book is a fantastic book I've recently shared it on LinkedIn and uh, social media a couple of weeks ago it's a fantastic book Jeff kindly sent me this book Uh, it's called Stuck now what and it's lovely bright blue color which is a funny story in itself because you shared with me didn't you that this isn't a a color that you would have necessarily gone for I believe is that right
1: I support a football team that wears red (laughs) and their (laughs) rivals wear blue Um, I've always I've always liked red for obvious reasons Um, but then when we got down to the nitty-gritty of creating a book cover as much as I wanted the white cover with the red writing, when I shared it with a select group of people, pretty much everybody said the blue, um, go for the blue. And I suppose in hindsight, I, I, I was going with, with a white cover and red writing because actually when I looked at my bookshelf, there was a lot of books with either a white, a white cover and red writing or white cover and black writing. So that's what I was drawn to as a reader. But if you want something to stand out, um, go for something a little bit different. And we did play about with yellow because yellow is quite unusual from a a book cover perspective, but it just didn't really feel right. So I went for this bright, bold uh, blue, which, yes, uh, it's dotted all over the house um, (laughs) as a result of that.
0: Well, well, I think it's a fantastic book. And one of the reasons that we wanted to get you onto the podcast was to have a discussion about this because this podcast is designed to kind of inspire people to live the best version of themselves and this book really is a, it's in relative to that because it's really there to help people with a, a fantastic model in it which we'll cover later on that will help inspire people to kind of get unstuck and live you know a fulfilling career which in turn will live the best version of themselves so that's why one of the reasons I wanted to get you on there but i'm conscious that before we take a deep dive into the book i'd love to find out what was the spark, even Jeff, that made you write this book? I know that in the book you share about the story about you had a catalyst of change in 2009, but tell us a little bit about that journey. What made you start to change direction for yourself, which is then later led to creating this book?:
1: Yeah, there was a couple of things uh, Ricky, that, that were driving that shift in thought and, and then ultimately leading to change and, and, and taking some different actions. Um, I found myself working in a really good place. Uh, I, I worked for a company called m and Money. It was a big, big organization, uh, 1,500 people uh, on, on the head office site that I worked in. I'd been in learning and development for six or seven years. Um, I like to say I traveled the globe. Um, what that means is I went pretty much everywhere in the UK <laughs> and india uh, five Great. times um, fantastic and I met some wonderful, wonderful people out there and and what i'd said to myself and probably said to many other people was i'd pretty much done everything I wanted to do m s money in terms of learning and development, and there was nowhere else for me to go other than head of learning and development and I knew in my heart of hearts that actually um The lady who was my boss, a super boss, one of the best bosses I've ever had, wasn't going to go anywhere soon. Uh, So that left me with a choice. I I either carry on doing what I was doing. uh, And like I say, it was a great place to work. It rewarded me well. um, But actually didn't fire me up. Once you've done all those things you want to do, I didn't have the same energy. Uh, And there was people coming through that were a bit younger than me, hungrier than me. And... I made a conscious decision, I had three or four people that I was responsible for in terms of management, and I said to each and every one of them, I would like you to um, get into a position where you can do what I can do. There's nothing special about me, uh, but in terms of that next level up, I am am your ceiling, uh, I am in your way, so I'll do everything I can to get you to a point where you can do what I can do. Because really what I thought was, if I do that, then I can leave. Yeah. I can go and do something else um, because they'll be able to do my job. And there was nothing special. Okay. There's nothing special about what I do um, in, in many ways. I'm just a, an average, ordinary, normal type of person that, you know, has has, has made some different decisions. At about the same time, though, um, the wonderful Kirsty Mark came into MS Money uh, in her delightful um, kind of challenging, non-challenging way, tapped into my, in a voice. And I ended up going and spending quite a bit of time uh, doing some of the courses that Kirsty was offering. I funded myself. I went up to Glasgow. I sat in a room for a week with uh, 13 other people. Uh, and then I went back 12 months later uh, and sat in a room for two weeks with five people. And it really did change my life. It altered my view and my perspective, and it was it was the catalyst because it gave me the belief to take that leap of faith, as we call it. Um, and at the same time, I and this was probably the, the the kind of the crux, really. At the same time, I was I was hitting thirty four, which, as I talk about in the book, was was a really Key number in my mind because I'd lost my father when he was 34, Mm. and for a long time, there's no logic to it. But but this is how our brain works. I told myself that I was going to going to die at 34, Um, and I've carried it around. I hadn't, as we do, as as men generally do. I hadn't talked to anybody about it. I hadn't really talked to my wife at the time about it or any of my family. I just thought I was going to die, and. When I arrived in Glasgow for the second week of that course with five other people, there was a birthday card waiting for me. And in that birthday card, uh, from all the lovely ladies that were on the same program as me, and Kirsty Mack, there was wonderful messages and a key message that stood out that said, welcome to your 35th year. And that, when we talk about life-changing, that was a real life-changing moment for me because what, what dawned upon me there and then as I read that was, I was now living that part of life. Mm. A, I didn't think I would, but B, my father didn't. And I've been very clear about the decisions that I've made in my life since then because my view is this is the life that my father never got to live. So the least I can do is make the most of it and get out there and have a bloody good time. So there we go.
0: It's, it's a powerful belief. And thank you for sharing that, Jeff. I, I can't imagine that it's, it's ever easy sharing that, but what a powerful belief to carry with you. I guess that was for, did you say most of your life?
1: Yeah, did. I lost my father when, when I was seven. So certainly through my school education, uh, and then into further education, yeah. I, I I would say I carried that around with me for you know twenty odd years, and it was hard.
0: Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, what a powerful though catalyst, as you said. You know, with that birthday card, and it, it mentions it. I'll into the book, but I've, I've experienced things not as probably as powerful as that, but those light bulb moments where you just get it and something happens, and I, I you know, fantastic. For you to then start living this new chapter in your life, which I think at that point you then start to make that journey into. I think you put. I think it was in a quote, isn't it, in the the book, which is "This is work, yet this isn't working," and I think from that point on, you then decided to say, "Right, I'm going to go off on my own and inspire other people." So, tell us quickly, a little bit, of brief, how did that happen from that point?
1: Uh, I'm smiling because. I, I came back from that course with Kirsty in uh, October 2009. I um, handed in my notice and I left in January 2010. And I was full of energy. I was full of ideas. I was full of excitement. I'd set up my business. I started having conversations with people. I had a website there. I had a funky business card. I was ready to take on the world and I was just hoping that they were ready to receive me, but it didn't quite work out like that. <laughs> it didn't quite work out like that. I thought it was going to work out really well in that first month in January. Um, I did two days work with somebody that I used to work with and I in two days what I'd earned in a month for m and money. And I thought, yes, this is great. And then from then on, it went downhill. And I don't mind sharing this with people, Ricky. I fell flat on my ass. Um, <laughs> I failed miserably uh, many, many, many times. Um, and I tried lots of things and it just didn't work. And one of the biggest lessons for me was connection and my network. And as excited as I was to be out in the big wide world, doing my own thing, living my life, putting my stamp uh, on you know, the globe, Pretty much everybody I knew was still back at m and Money. And they were all there going, yeah, great, well done, well done. And again, I talk about it in the book. There was two people that stood out for me. There was an older manager um, coming towards the end of his career, and he said, you know what, Jeff, I wish I'd taken some more risks earlier mm. in my life um, because things would have worked out differently. And then there was a lovely lady who I'd worked with many, many times over the years who said, I've only got 15 more years to go." until I retire and I was energized by both but at the same time it just didn't work out Um, but in many ways sometimes we have to have a go at things and we have to have to take that leap of faith to see what happens and I truly believe if if I'd not done that in 2010 there's no way on earth I would have entertained the idea of setting up another business in 2014 when I was made redundant from funds for you uh, hmm. it just wouldn't have happened so um everything that happened in the kind of 12 15 months of me running my own business which was tough and, and lots of life lessons in there uh, served me well when it came to being made redundant in 2014 because whereas a lot of people were struggling and were like what do I do I was like I can do this. I can yeah. deal with this. Actually, this, this is the opportunity that i wanted. Um, and because of the experience, I was able to look at it differently.
0: Wow, fantastic. Well, Jeff, I think one of the things that I love about you is the, I mean, the book is a fantastic book, which you know, I'm truly grateful for you for sending. And I think I left it on my review, which was, I wish I had this book 10 years for me. Because you talk about this in the book and the examples you just shared there about, I've got 15 years to go (laughs) oh my god you know it's that whole thing for me about coasting and that's what kind of really resonated with me I feel like I coasted for probably like the last probably say five to ten years of my career and I wish I had this book because it would have just helped identify the things that were really really important to me but you just naturally follow the herd don't you you follow the hierarchical chain you do what's the natural you know hierarchy chain and i just never was fulfilled but i think for so many years i've had blinkers on i've shared this on other podcasts that i'm now obviously in my 30s but i wish i'd have known about stuff like this when i was at school you know so i think that one of the things i want to talk about is obviously the book but um i think it's also very a very great addition for obviously younger people as well because i'd never had any of that at school you just told at school to go leave school go university and get a job but what about doing what's really really important to you, you know, mixing in with that value. So before we talk about the value story, because we'll go off on a big tangent on that, tell us about Stuck. Uh, what is it? What is the book? And why did you write this book? Well,
1: you've already alluded to what the original working title was. Um, so in March oh, yes. last yeah. year, I went down to meet with Layla and Ali from Them publishing. And I actually thought I was going to write a book about balance because for the previous for five years, I'd gone down a rabbit hole around work-life balance and come to the opinion that work-life balance was a bit of a myth and it wasn't really serving people well. I'd been off, I'd spent, a week, you know, weekends writing and, and I'd been on writing courses and in my mind I'd written half the book. Um, but when I got down, and spent four and a half hours with them uh, on the train back home because we'd just gone into lockdown uh, for the first time. Um, we, we had a working title and the working title was, this is work, yet it's not working. And it was supposed to be a clever play on, this is what people call work. But my goodness, in a lot of cases, it's just clearly not working. <laughs> and I was rather pleased with that because I like a little bit of mystery. And, and I thought, yes, there's something there. But I think if you have to explain it too much, then you've missed the point of the title. yeah. Um, and I had loads of kind of thoughts about it and I got, I got excited about it. But the reality was at the start of the writing process, I just put it to one side. Um, I had a framework, I had a structure for my book and I just wrote um, because I was going through lots of kind of, is this any good? Will people read it as as we normally do? I just got on and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote. Now when we got towards kind of the end of the first draft, which went in last September, I don't need a title. I'm not comfortable with it, um, and I I came to the idea that actually the the book was about helping people, helping me who were stuck. And you talked about having this ten years ago. I I. In a strange kind of way. I wish I'd had this book 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, I wish I'd had it 10 years previous because I would have made some different decisions then. Um, and I like to kind of provoke thought in terms of what I do. So I've said I, I I do a lot of kind of leadership coaching, those types of things. And so the now what is, is In many ways, is the voice of Kirsty Mack saying, okay, you've shared this with me. What are you going to do? Yeah. And and she, she never used the, the, the words now what, but she would often say to me, So what have you decided? Mm. And I'd be like, I haven't decided anything. Oh, so fine. Take a little longer, she'd say, <laughs> yeah. You meander around, you think about it. And she knew <laughs> it was kind of winding me up a little bit. And I'd be like, I'm gonna do this. She'd go, Yeah, that'd be a good idea. And I'd be like, All right, yeah. I'll do it. you yeah, go on then. She said, Go on, do it. And she said, So it was an amalgamation, really, but it was a kind of I look back into my past around, actually, I found myself stuck many, many times. And, and actually, I was thinking about this before, before we spoke today. I think we find ourselves stuck more often than we realize. And when you talked, Ricky, about being unfulfilled for maybe the last five years, I think a lot of people find themselves unfulfilled in what they do but they don't really know what to do about it. And often yeah. they don't know what to do about it because rightly they start with where they are now. And they look at their family, they look at their mortgage, they look at the circumstances, they look at their circle and they think, if I want to move to the side here, that's going to have an impact on all these things here. So yeah. better to almost suck it up and stay where I am than do anything about it. And Seth Godin talks about this in his Brilliant book, it's only a short book called The Dip. Okay, and and what it is is because we've already made an emotional investment into the role that we're doing, we tell ourselves, I don't want to be the new starter again, I don't want to start from scratch, I don't want to be the beginner. But actually, what served me really well and what I hold at the front of my mind all the time now is this beginner's mindset because it's okay to be a beginner, because when you're a beginner, you're curious, you've got lots of questions. And if you're bold enough or courageous enough to answer, ask them, then you'll find answers and that can help you move on. So that's how Stuck came about. The publishers, any publisher that you work with will always tell you to hone in on a particular market or niche. I, I worked in the corporate space, so it makes sense to write a book for people in that corporate space. And I was one of them that was Stuck. On reflection and what lots of people have said to me is actually the framework within the book can actually be used in a number of areas and not just for people that are stuck in their career and and that that fills me with joy but that also gives me hope in terms of what i might do next
0: yeah absolutely which which fits with your vision doesn't it about helping people you know create fulfilling careers and get unstuck there's lots of questions here that circulate around my brain here about this idea of acceptance where you know one of the questions which you've kind of answered already I was going to ask you which is why are so many people stuck and you're absolutely right there comes this place where people just accept it and I've had countless arguments with my brother where he actually said to me well you live in this airy fairy world where you think everything's possible and I think well yeah absolutely you know I don't think of what if this goes wrong I think what if this is the best day ever or what if this goes really well and he um he, he has a job, I won't say, just in case they're listening, but he has a job. And, you know, he just moans and moans and moans. So I said to him, so so leave. And he got really defensive back. It, it's quite an emotional investment into it. And went, yes, yeah, it's all right for you, Ricky. You can say that. I said, but why would you stay at a place that does not make you happy? It's not fulfilling your dreams. It doesn't fit with your values. Why do you do it? He went, because it pays the bills, Rick. And that's, that's the common thing, like you just said there, that's why people just stay stuck. Because there's that fear, isn't there? Like, And I often think about when you're a child, we would learn how to ride a bike, we would fall off, we'd get back on and we'd carry on. We'd learn a new skill, we fail at it, and then we carry on and we get better. But for some reason, when we become adults, we just lose that innocence and that i guess that confidence to try new stuff and uh, there's a thing here that's linking my brain's now fired here now jeff you've you've kind of inspired my brain now i'm thinking about the uh, have you heard of the, the david i think it's david heiner and andy cope have this thing about rhinoceroses and cows have you heard about this no Cool. Okay, so this is quite relative to the book about those people, obviously, making a vehicle for change, which we're going to share in a second. And he has this great phrase, which is, um, it, I think it's by Alexander Scott. I can't quite remember. I'll have to find out. And it's about the two percenters who actually do stuff in, world, in the world. And there's two animals. So if you think about a cow, may, many people, like 97 to 98% of people who are cows, they will it. follow the you know follow the herd. They, oh, you know it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So they, they eat the grass, they moo, and they moan about it. Then you've got the rhinoceroses, which are the 2%, they just charge towards goals. And it's this difference about the 2% is really just go for it. They create that goal, they create that vision, and they just go for it. Where I'd probably say my brother, unfortunately, is a cow, <laughs> which is terrible. I hope he doesn't listen to this episode. Uh, but that's fine. He's happy with that. But it's about that acceptance, isn't it? But why do they? why do we get stuck? And why do we... Forget, you know, why do we take fear and just, why can't we conquer fear and adversity? What's your thoughts on that, Jeff? Why can't we be a bit more
1: braver? I think in the future, we will be. Everything points to that. So the generations coming through. And I'm not going to label any of those generations because I don't think that's particularly helpful. But I think because more people, either from the generation before us or our generation, have started to go against the grain, that in the future um, we'll we'll see a shift. A lot of it goes back to conditioning. You know, I was conditioned to get a job, you know, pay the bills, get promoted if you're lucky, move on to the next one, and so on and so forth. Um, I, I think the challenge now is for a lot of people going into the corporate working space, they don't have that fallback of a pension like the lady that said she's only got 15 years to go. Um, And actually they, they're not subscribing to the old map of the world that says you stay here for two years, you do your time, then you get promoted. That's how it works around here. Um, Mm. People are a bit more kind of tuned into, hang on a minute, why, why would you want to do something that makes you absolutely bloody miserable Mm. and just to get paid for it and then go and do the same again, you know, the next day. Um, There's, there's, there's something that Gavin Oates says about there's a lot of people out there that lose, lose their Sunday to their Monday. And what he means by that is they get that feeling in their gut on a Sunday that says, oh, I've got to go to work on a Monday. That's an indicator that they're stuck. But, but it takes more than people realise to do something about it. And that's not their fault. You know, the 97, 98% of people out there that are cows in terms of your, your <laughs> metaphor there yeah. from, from Andy, um, you know, that's just the way they've done things. And all they're mm-hmm. doing is they're playing out, you know, the, the blueprint that's been given to them. Um, yeah. It takes courage to go against the grain because ultimately then you stand out. And a lot of us are not conditioned to stand out. I talk about this, the classroom situation. The Mm. child that gets a question wrong in front of 30 other kids, seven years of age, kids are brutal, Mm. but they don't mean to be. Yeah. But that can influence people for a long time. Yeah. yeah, To not want to step out. And so I I do think there's hope in the future. um, But right now, you know, I think it's having that realization that we're conditioned that way. But if we're curious enough to want to do something about it, there's a lot more that we can do now. Um, To actually bring about that
0: change. Yeah, Uh, I totally agree. I totally agree. I remember lots of stories about when I, you know, very similar to you, Jeff, I was made redundant, and I remember telling people, "Yes, I think I'm just going to go be a professional magician, start some speaking training, and all that." And I remember my mum saying to me, "Well, how are you going to pay your bills, Rick?" (laughs) I went, "What? How are you going to pay your bills?" I went, "Like a plumber pays the bills, mum. Self-employed, you know." But it was because of the belief system that that's just how she was brought up. You were. Brought up to leave school, go get a job, and that insecurity and that danger of, but what if you don't have any work? Well, then I have to find work, mum. But there's a difference here. And I always think back to the rich dad, poor dad thing about, you know, a job is J O B, which stands for just over broke. And when I think about the self employed, there's this mountain. The self employed mountain is the hardest mountain to climb in the world. It's difficult. You fall down, you fail, like we've shared in our businesses before. Um, but once you get to the top of that mountain, it's the most desirable view. In the world and if you're prepared to just sometimes fail fall down a little bit then it's worthwhile but i think people just it it doesn't feel desirable you know i think that's why people feel comfort they stay in that comfort zone like my brother and just go back every single day but i i always think about it's actually on my vision board just here this one here i'm pointing (laughs) for all the listeners they can't see this but i'm pointing i'll just turn my mic here we go jeff for all the listeners. So one of my favourite quotes is one of the saddest things in life is to get to the end and look back in regret, knowing that you could have been done and had so much more. Seamless, that was Jeff, won't it? I'll edit that bit out, but but I find I think that's a really fascinating quote to me. And I've really switched on a light bulb in my mind over the last 12 months, thinking about perspective and think about there has been lots of people that have passed away over the last 12 months. And when I think about even my own relatives that passed away last year, me moaning about. Bills and going to work or whatever, I'm sure that they would love to swap with me right now to still be here with their family. So, why am I moaning about those insignificant things and why am I not living my life to the best I can? But I appreciate, as we've said, Jeff, there are plenty of people out there that's probably feeling this, that they're getting this and they're like, yes, I know a lot of my listeners are solopreneurs or they have side hustles and they're not fulfilled in their main career and they probably want to aspire to go do that side hustle or even just pack up completely and go into another job and the book is a fantastic it's like a bible for this as well because there's a huge portion in this book which is obviously related to the six v's which is a fantastic framework for anyone that is feeling stuck that wants to kind of pursue their dreams and that fulfilling career but i'd love to let's let's explain jeff i guess to the audience what is the six v's where did this come from
1: first of all i love that you compared it to the bible Um... sorry
0: yes yeah (laughs)
1: The, That's, that the, should be a the,
0: quote shouldn't it there you go you can have that on your next book
1: <laughs> straight away that means that there's a second uh edition coming uh, <laughs> yes. if we look at the old and the new um so i i, I like that um <laughs> the 6 V framework is i have to give some credit to my my publishers here um ali and Layla, because they helped shape that you know <laughs> they they literally said to me, right, just tell us some stories about what you've done and how you help people. And that's what I did for four and a half hours. And then when we came away, we had something, a framework. I always wanted a framework because for me, when I I train and facilitate, I like to refer to a model or a theory um, because I think it helps people then to go back later on uh, and make sense of it as well. Uh, So I wanted something like that. But I also am drawn to those types of books where there is something that we can kind of pin things onto. I've written wonderful books, especially in the last you know, 12, 18 months. Um, but there's been nothing for me to go back to other than to say it was a really good book. And that's to take nothing away from, from some of those books. But I like to go back to something. Um, the six Vs, and it's been written in a way that, that you might actually follow it from one V to the next. You don't have to. But the six Vs start with vision. So having a clear vision of success. Um, so where is it you want to be in the future? And, and this, this is aspirational. And for me, I wanted to be a published author. Uh, these might be your things on, on your bucket list. It might be the people that are considering a, a side hustle or indeed you know, wanting to become a, a solopreneur. That's your vision of success. And it's a little bit different to a standard goal or objective in that the journey is important. It's not just the destination. We read a lot more about that now Um, because we can get frustrated, we can get overwhelmed, uh, we can get downbeat, all those things along the way uh, if we're not hitting that destination quicker uh, or sooner than we want. Um, So it's having that understanding that actually, you know, like you said with the mountain, um, Mm. there are going to be lots of steps. We're going to have to pause. We're going to have to take some fuel on board. We're going to have to weigh things up. Things will happen on the mountain. Um, so it starts with a vision of success. Then we move straight into what, what we look at as, as values. Um, and not from a corporate perspective, but our own values. People forget this. We have our own values. These, these are what get us out of bed in the morning. They're what drive us to do what we do, whether we're in the corporate space or the self-employed space. Okay, They're what get us out of bed in the morning. Okay, um, It might be family. It might be It might be uh, achievement, it might be recognition, it might be growth, it might be development. For me, it's things like making a difference or challenging the norm. Uh, For others, it might be security, in which case that's what keeps them in certain places, but they drive you to get out of bed. Um, I think this is a real eye-opener for people who are stuck if they haven't done this type of exercise, because typically what happens if, if our top five personal values aren't being met, that's when we start to become disengaged, demotivated, yeah. or disaligned uh, with the organisation. And that's, that's not a great place for people to be because they do get stuck then. And if they haven't got the courage to go and do something about it, they'll stay. Okay? And that can be worse for them and also the business. And that's things like mental health and well-being, That's why they're coming to the, to the forefront now because a lot of people have got themselves stuck
0: which is often just to cut in, sorry, Jeff is in my experiences where I've often seen mood hoovers, the people that have just stuck and stayed, you know, and they become the most difficult people to manage and lead because they're just uninspired. But um, anyway, carry absolutely. on. Yes,
1: yeah. absolutely. And and that's a really good point, Ricky, because nobody gets out of bed to be an asshole. Yeah. Okay. But if yeah, they're sure. stuck and their values aren't being met, okay. And they don't know who to speak to and they don't know how to get out of it. That's what happens. They suck the life out of other people. So we move from vision to values to view. And this is all about where you are now in relation to where you want to be in the future. Um, And I think this is a really important stage because it gets you to weigh up exactly where you are now. If if anybody who's familiar with, you know, the kind of the grow model in terms of coaching, this is the reality. Where are we today versus values that are being met and not met, and in relation to our vision of success, okay? Because we're all at different points in the journey, and you come to accept this, okay? The wiser you become, you realise there's no point comparing yourself to everybody else, because they're at a different stage or a different point in the journey. So we look at where we are now. Then we move to what, what I call is a vehicle. Now I'm crapper planning, always have been crapper planning. <laughs> I talk about it in the book. Every manager I ever had on my performance review in terms of development areas, said, Jeff, you need to work on your plan. I didn't need to work on my plan. Okay? So I've created something that I think is certainly more empowering for those non-planners, but there's enough in there for the planners to kind of get to grips with. And it builds on where we are now, because, Ricky, if you want to make changes today, we need to know what you're doing today and what you're not doing. And I get people to do a bit of an audit on themselves in terms yes. of their time and where their energy is going. Because again, if I'm gonna make some changes and you're gonna make some changes from today onwards, it's gonna have an impact on other people. And we've yeah. got to find the time and the day and the week to do it. And this is why people start with great gusto and great energy, get like New Year's resolutions, first of January <laughs> down yes, the gym, yeah. third week of January, oh, look at the weather. Oh, so-and-so is not going, I'm not going. Okay, It's because, we don't look at what else is going on mm-hmm. in our life. And I think the vehicle is really important. We move from vehicle then to what I called um, valor, okay, which is about being valent, um, being courageous. It's about being bold. It's about stepping outside of the comfort zone. But, but there's different scales. It's starting with the least scary stuff. And actually the key in a lot of this, a lot of change, is taking the first step. There's no point. You know, getting too excited until we start to take those first steps. Once we take the first step and then the second step, we have momentum. Once we've got momentum, we're on the way. And a bit like anybody that's ever been on a diet that's got three or four weeks into a diet, what do we do? We look back at where we were and we say, I'm not there anymore. I feel great. Let's have a Kit Kat and a glass of wine or whatever it might be. (laughs) All right. But then we slowly get sucked back in if we're not careful. And yeah. so it's important to, to keep revisiting our acts of valor or courage because once we've taken one scary step, it tells us that it's okay, we've survived, we're alive, we can take another one. Yeah. And then the final V is what I call voice. And this is this is a two-part uh finish to the framework, really. One is the internal voice, which I talk about and I reference the work that Steve Peters has done with the chimp. Uh, paradox uh, which is a wonderful book and he's a wonderful guy um, it's the inner voice in terms of how can we reframe some of those things that we tell ourselves uh, which aren't particularly helpful um, and reframe them in a more positive way but then the other part of, of voice which only came to me as I was going through the course of last year as I was invited into some of those spaces that you talked about uh, by Kirsty Mark and Scott and and Jim McNeish and and some of the others. Um, And this is um, how to create a personal board using Carl Jung's archetypes, Um, which for me, again, is a real game changer because if you want to go and do these things, we tell ourselves, it's scary, I'm on my own, there's nobody else to support me. Well, that doesn't have to be the case. If you spend some time looking at who you might know, who could go onto your personal board and this is never about phoning them up and saying, oh, by the way, you're my king or queen, uh, or you're my <laughs> yes, warrior, or, magician, um, yes, yeah, yeah. or my magician. Nick, Ricky, you're my yeah. magician, okay? Yeah. <laughs> uh, or you're my sage, yes. or my friend or lover, and people thinking, what's all that about? Yeah, what? This, yeah. this is a simple <laughs> exercise, and getting yeah, you to think about the types of people, and I, I've, I've been wonderfully supported on this journey um, by different archetypes, who have fulfilled different roles when I've needed them to do that. Um, I think there's enough challenge and exercises within the framework to help people to take some of those initial steps. Again, once people start to take the initial steps, that's where we get momentum.
0: Yeah, and you've you've said that so fantastically well. So thank you, Jeff. Yeah, I think there's a point in the book that you talk about that the common link is about the long game. And that's it. You mentioned it so well there about the step. It's taking that first step. I think sometimes we associate the bigger picture of all wouldn't that be nice to to get the the best job of my life. But it's just a small step. It's not going to happen overnight. It's about taking that first step and doing things and in momentum, like on a diet, it will then happen, won't it? And there's a kind of thing here isn't there thinking about well there's three things here that's made my brain think here um the values piece was a massive piece for me you often see this in a lot of corporates where you are um you're inducted you join the company and then the company says hey we're just releasing our new values for the company here you go go live them but hang on a minute what if i don't believe in those values why? You know, why isn't it like a, you know, a people created culture kind of thing? Why do we have that? So values was a massive thing for me in, in kind of the run up to the end of my career. There was a point where I said to my boss, I think I'm going to leave because my personal values of autonomy, belonging, uh, creativity, and just the freedom to go inspire as I wanted to was not happening. And it just made me feel my behavior was driven from those values. So my behavior started to go the opposite way. I didn't want to get out of bed. I'd end up being late. I couldn't be bothered. And that kind of went into that downward spiral of I think I need to leave, you know, because it was not making me feel like I belonged anymore. And that was just because a new company had bought the company, didn't understand the company, and it was just their way or the highway. And there's lots of other factors that we could discuss into that, you know, about people and culture and management and stuff. But one of the biggest things that I've obviously learned about, obviously, going self-employed is that I can create the life that I want by living the values that are important to me, autonomy, belonging. Yes, you're on your own, but there are, like you said, your tribe, your people, your kings and your queens and your magicians that is your people. That's that belonging. That's where you feel part of. And one of the other things I wanted to um, say was that I wrote it down it. I've lost it now. I wrote it in a highlight because I dropped my pen here, Jeff. So um, it's just the bigger picture. Yeah, it's why we have to be patient. And there's two things here I'm thinking about with Darren. I think it's Darren Hardy says that, and Jim Rohn, there's two pains in life that you'll go through, the pain of discipline and the pain of regret. It is about having that patience, isn't it? And taking that time, but just taking a step to start the journey. You said it, you know, it's a journey. And that's what we need to be celebrating. So Jeff, one of the things that I admire as well is the framework with the um, I think it was like the the, the schedule or you create your own schedule of your time of when you wake up and what you do there's so many people that I talk to that say I would love to do that I would love to do this but I don't have the time but if you used to get them to do that exercise and then you look at it and review it and scan it you would see they don't get out of bed till 11 o'clock in the morning they probably spend two hours on social media and then you start to get those light bulb moments going oh so if I just you know, reduce that or up that and dial that one up a bit more. You mean I could do that? Of course you could. Yeah. So I love that in the framework. And I think I absolutely and I'm not saying this Jeff hasn't paid me to say this, but the framework is such a simple, easy to do. And obviously, there's a a resource that you can download as well from his website, that will really create a, a clear roadmap for you to understand what's truly important to you. And Jeff, I love it. Yeah, so thank you for obviously sharing that because I think it's a fantastic framework that we all need, I think. You know, I think from time to time, we're all going to have those moments where we're stuck. And I think over the last 12 months, we've probably seen a lot of people that are stuck because of the unfortunate circumstances that have happened. So Jeff, I'd like to ask you a question as we kind of wrap these podcast up. For those people out there that are feeling a little bit like we've discussed, a bit like your journey and my journey, a little bit stuck, What's the simplest things that they can do or start to do right now to try to get unstuck?
1: Well, other than pointing people to, to the book or the reverse, it goes to the book is, is, is just pause for a moment and, and get some thoughts down on paper. You know, if, whatever the feelings associated with being stuck are, when, when we start to write some stuff down, it will become clear in terms of what they are. Um, when it becomes a little bit clearer, then it provokes some different thoughts and some different conversations. It's okay to be stuck. Um, it, it's having the awareness that says, "I am stuck right now. I need to make some sense of, of, of why I'm stuck." And, and it might be values. You know, it, <laughs> I work a lot with organisations around values because they go through that process of thinking: "These are our values. People don't work towards our values," and it's like because they've got their own values okay there's a, a phrase that says people don't leave organizations they they, they leave managers i would actually say they, they don't leave managers they leave because their values are out of alignment and mm-hmm. this isn't about organizations bending over backwards trying to fulfill people's values all they've got to do is understand what some of these values are and then work with them because if they do that people will stay okay they'll stay a lot longer they'll be a yeah. lot more committed they'll be a lot more productive Um, I like the fact that you've alluded to the vehicle exercise because in a lot of cases, Ricky, people have some kind of data or numbers associated with what they do in the workplace, but we don't have it at home. Okay. If you can see what time you get up, if you can see what time you go to bed, if you can see how much sleep you get, if you can see, you know, when you're most productive in the day and get more stuff done, it gives you insight into where you might go and make some changes. You know, James Clear talks about this in Atomic Habits. Okay, yeah. it takes a lot longer than 21 days to form <laughs> yeah. a new habit. So we're dealing with the long game here, but we've mm. got to understand as much data about ourselves to begin with as possible before we then go and make changes, okay? My, my thought would be spend a little bit of time writing some stuff down, try to make sense of it, and then have a go. answering some of those questions or doing some of those excellent
0: love it jeff thank you so much well jeff as i do in most episodes i have a couple of questions i always ask my guests and i've got three questions to ask you jeff the first question is what can we do to make a difference this year
1: i'm pausing because i want to phrase this in the right way i think what we can do to make a difference this year is continue to reach out and have conversations with people more regularly similar to what we did last year and and the reason I say that is the temptation and we're seeing it already is to get back to normal or to establish a new normal as quickly as possible. I for one want to hold on to lots of wonderful things in the last 12 months one of them being conversations and connections. If we continue to have more conversations with our connections then we can continue to support one another through whatever this next phase or period of time looks like. And I think that's really important, not only from an individual, but a collective uh, perspective.
0: I love that. I totally echo that. We're seeing that now, aren't we? Where people are going back to reverting to type, classic human behavior, beer gardens and stuff. And you think, hang on a minute, there is still a global pandemic around. Let's just ease up a bit. Uh, great thank you for that answer Jeff and second question then is tips for living the best version of ourselves as the podcast is inspiring to others to inspire the best versions of themselves what tip would you give for people to live the best version of themselves this year
1: okay so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say sleep mm. okay and the reason I'm gonna say sleep is it's such an important thing for us to do each day. And we overlook it, uh, we undervalue it, but we know the difference when we've had a good night's sleep versus a rubbish night's sleep. And if people wanna be the best version of themselves, then make sleep their number one priority. Um, What was fascinating for me, just to allude a little bit is, when I started doing some research into things like priorities, actually priority started as singular. It was never meant to be plural, yet how many people will run around saying, these are all my priorities today. If we can just focus on one priority, sleep, I promise you it will be an absolute game changer. And if you haven't read uh, Matthew Walker's excellent book, Why Do We Sleep?, Um, then you ought to.
0: Great answer. Thank you, Jeff. And then the last question is: How can we find you, Jeff? We know that you have a great podcast called The Perfect Imbalance Podcast. What can we do to find you if we want to hear more about you and your fantastic, uh, fantastic dialogues and f- fantastic words, Jeff? I can't get my words out today. How can we find more about what you do, Jeff?
1: Well, there's a number of ways, Ricky. But you, you know, first and foremost, you'll find me across social media, uh, whether that's you know Twitter, Instagram, or, or LinkedIn. Feel free to connect with me on on any of those platforms. Uh, also you can find out more details at the Stuck Now What website uh, where you'll see the types of things that I'm up to, not just with the book, but but also in terms of you know building a community um, where we do live learning um, with some guest speakers each month. Uh, so yeah, follow follow along, get involved, come and, come and join that community because there's a lot of similar minded people who are there to not only take something from them for themselves in terms of learning are also there to help and support others as well
0: Jeff it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for coming on to the show and good luck and I look forward to seeing you in person hopefully very soon take care Jeff thank you Ricky Well, there we go. Thank you so much, Jeff, for coming on to the podcast. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Don't forget, if you did enjoy this episode, you can have a chance to win one of Jeff's signed copies of his book, Stuck Now What, and one of my Unlocked podcast notebooks. All you need to do is screenshot yourself listening, share it onto your favourite social media platform, tag me and Jeff into the post, and put the hashtag Unstuck. Good luck. Uh, Jeff, thank you for coming on to the podcast. And don't forget, if you did listen to this episode, everyone, then please, and if you enjoyed it, please go on to Apple Podcasts and leave us a lovely review. It will help with the rankings and get this podcast shared to more listeners. Once again, thank you for listening, and I'll join you on the next week of another episode of Unlocked. Goodbye!